Hello fellow teachers and aspiring teachers. Welcome to Those Who Can't, the podcast where the teaching profession takes centre stage. I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Kate Moore. And together we journey our way through the why, the how and the heart of teaching. From the nitty gritty of the industry to the profound joys of being an educator. We're here to explore the ins and outs of teaching and to help you reach your full potential. With stories from our own classroom experiences, insights into the evolving landscape of education and practical advice for both new and seasoned educators. Whether you're facing the challenges of the classroom or seeking inspiration for your teaching journey, we'll see what we can do. So join us as we explore the education industry. Welcome to Those Who Can't. Welcome to episode two of Those Who Can't, a podcast about teachers and teaching. And today's episode, we're going to talk about the worst kid in your class. Ooh, this is a big one for episode two, Matt. <laughs> yeah, but you've got to bring the big guns early, Kate. Yeah, fair enough. So, Kate, tell me about the worst kid in your class. Ooh, so many to choose from. <laughs> Can I just start by saying that I started my, my teaching career as a violin teacher, string teacher, and... I don't know if anything after that point compared to students who did not want to learn the violin, who were coming in week after week, not having taken it out of their case. It was so painful for me, for the parents. The disengagement, it was just like, why are you paying me money? Got to the point where you just say, I am not taking your money, you know. So that that was always <laughs> that was always like my level, my bar. But let me think. So I, one particular student, male student, comes comes to mind. Primary school, <laughs> I remember. I remember the first lesson that I had. <laughs> I just turned around to write something on the board, um, and this student, I turned back around, and no, no sound or anything. But the student was standing on their head, <laughs> 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 which actually just made me laugh. I thought it was hilarious, but just so much energy, you know, and just could not sit still, could not focus, could not concentrate. A, very, very vocal in there, like, oh, I don't want to be here, I don't want to do this, you know, I couldn't couldn't care less, mm-hmm. you know. And then I'd say, could you, you know, if any time I tried to kind of manage that student, they were like, you hate me, don't pick on me, yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, had some tantrums and some tears and some, you know, yelling and screaming. And but You I've seem never, all right now. I'm, okay, I know, I know. <laughs> My principal came in and said, Kate, you have to stop yelling at this boy. (laughs) Um, But gosh, yeah, a a real challenge, a real challenge. And at the time, I was still teaching music. And so, you know, it's one of those subjects, you know, I know now um, in in a broader role that it's often the specialist teachers that get the, the real shit, mm-hmm. you know, thrown at them. Not not always literally. I mean, I, I know yeah. your stories will <laughs> way outweigh mine because I haven't really worked in those kind of environments that are, you know, physically really violent, but certainly just any opportunity to play out for the for the specialist teacher, like yeah. like casual teacher, you know, they just, you know. Um, and I was pretty, pretty young and pretty inexperienced, so, you know, didn't have the tools to really deal with that and respond to that. But yeah, still, still gives me uh, twitches a little bit. Thinking back, yeah, it's one of those things you don't forget about those kids, do you? No. Like when when you've had a kid who's really challenging, and of course, when we say the worst kid in your class, we say that with love in our voice, absolutely, because those those kids are the ones that sort of um, define your career, I guess. Like if you can make a connection with those those kids, yeah. that's um, such a big deal. Yeah, so the the worst kid in my class 
I had a, a student who he would flip a switch and become really violent. And uh, he also had a, a really significant speech delay. So he found it hard to communicate. And I think that's one of the reasons he became violent so quickly yeah. because he just – he found it really hard to express his needs. And I re- at that school I was the, the person sort of allocated to, to make sure this kid was safe all the time. And – he, there were so many things that triggered him and I tried to manage all those triggers, but you can't, you can't manage everything. No, like, no. And, and sometimes something gets through the net and I remember one time he was having a big meltdown and I, I had him sort of contained in a bit of an area where I thought he couldn't really hurt himself or anyone else too much and I, I got distracted momentarily by something else that was happening and when I turned around, he smashed me across the jaw <gasps> with a, a waffle press. <laughs> And, uh, Where did he get a waffle press? Well, we had a breakfast set up at the school and <laughs> the waffle press was still out. Anyway, he, he, he clocked me with a waffle press and it took him – like he, he was really dysregulated. It took him ages to kind of come back down to earth. And when he did, I, I was sort of s- sitting next to him and when he was calm enough that we could talk through what had happened, I said, do you remember hitting me with the waffle press? And he said, nope. <laughs> and he was telling the truth. Yeah. He genuinely didn't remember it. And – uh, like I've got a good relationship with that kid now, yeah. um, but at that time, wow. oh man, that was hard. Uh, he he was a he's a really challenging kid and really really challenging life circumstances as well. But yeah. uh, you know, beneath the if if you are able to look past the the kind of aggression and the reactivity, um, beautiful kid. Yeah, but definitely the worst kid in my class <laughs> i don't feel i ever connected with this kid that i was yeah, you right. know i was referring to and i suppose that's why you know in particular he comes to mind because mm. i didn't handle it well you know yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I i can look back now and see why i didn't handle it well my frustration and my anger and you know just it just got the better of me you know mm. like uh, i just got emotional about it yep. you know and i just remember thinking all of my energy is going on this one kid, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. I've got 26 others or whatever I had, you know. And so it just felt like I was so resentful yeah, of this yeah. kid just constantly hijacking my lessons, you yeah. know, and, and just never being what I thought would be, you know, be reasonable. And so my irritation mm. would have completely just escalated this kid yeah, totally. for sure you know and i see that now you know and it's probably what he was looking for absolutely yep. i was an easy target i yep. gotta say you know easily um easily took the bait easily triggered you know yeah. <laughs> it's just like and he would have been taking great pleasure in it and i'd yep. send him out and you know not not just nothing i felt like nothing worked yeah. you know but obviously that was that was all on me yeah well i, I taught a kid in a, at a different school um and he, he was from a privileged family and he was quite a high-performing student when he wanted to be and uh, I remember in that and this was quite early in my career but we would regularly get into battles <laughs> me and this year nine boy in class and that I've got red hair he had red hair and all, all the kids used to say oh I got to fight fire with fire so <laughs> that was a um, that just made me madder and <laughs> made me resent the kid even more but I remember having this ongoing battle with this kid and it would I would be really preoccupied in the morning before work. Yeah. I'd be thinking, how am I going to manage this? How am I going to manage this? Yeah. And I remember handling it really badly over and over and over and over again. And it took me a long time to realise that he was actually getting a lot of positive feedback from yep. my response to his behaviour. So yep. it was only when I changed my approach that I was able to kind of make any progress with him. Yeah. But 
yeah, that, that really kind of dominated my headspace for a long time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, 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 and I, I made the mistake, Kate, of also being so embarrassed about my failure to help this kid or to get anywhere with him that I didn't ask anyone for oh, help. Oh, no, God, no. You yeah. know, I think that's that, that was um, certainly the case for me too. I didn't want my manager to think that I wasn't coping and wasn't yeah. able to, you know, to deal with it. So, yeah, you know, when, when you most need the advice yep. and the support, you tend to shy away from it because like, oh, gosh, you know, yeah. they'll think I you know, don't know what I'm doing kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, you, you go in primed, you know, like – as, as a younger teacher, a less experienced teacher, you go in waiting and, and they know you're waiting. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. it's like you're circling around each other, yep. you know, before the first fi- shot's fired. So, um, so what are the yeah. biggest mistakes teachers make when it comes to behaviour management? Well, exactly what I did. So responding emotionally, yep. you know, reacting, reacting in the moment and not, not looking at it. As, as you need to look at it as, as, a, as an educator, which is that there's always something behind the behaviour. You know, it's not – the behaviour is not about I, I want to do this to, to be a real asshole of a kid and, yep. and to make, you know, Miss Moore's day really shit. Yep. You know, it's I, I want that attention yep. and if I'm not getting that in other ways, then this will do. This kind of attention is, is yep. good for me and it fulfills something in me. You know, and sometimes it's not trying to gain attention, it's trying to avoid – something else so yeah. it might be trying to avoid the humiliation of failing academically in front of someone yeah so but you're right it's communicating something yeah definitely and you know I, I think about that first time when when he was kind of on his head and you know I, I thought that was hilarious the rest of the class thought it was hilarious you know and it kind of built from there this sense of like oh I can get this this reaction yeah. but I'll just keep pushing it and pushing it you know and had I had I been able to kind of like I would do now is kind of just let it roll off me, have a bit of a laugh, okay, you know, back to it and, and maintain my composure yep. um, and stay calm. And like you were saying about that example with the waffle iron, waffle iron of all things, um, you know, you can't you can't reason with a student that's in that state yep. if they're dysregulated, you know. Yep. You have to wait. And that's, that's something I've only pretty recently understood, to be honest. And I'm always trying to support teachers with because they don't understand why that confrontation – you know, why are they not doing what I'm asking them to yep. do? You know, I'm really serious. Can't they tell I'm serious? It's like you're just beating your head against the wall because they're not listening. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things I, I teach when I go to schools now to work with um, teachers where they're struggling with behaviour is about the parts of the brain and how dysregulation mm. works. And Amygdala. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, um, the limbic system hijacking the, the cortex. And if I'd known that early in my career... I wouldn't have been fighting fire with fire. No. I would have had a better solution for this kid. Yeah. Um, and, and there's times when you can just see that a kid gets dysregulated and the teacher, the adults around them get dysregulated yeah. and the kid gets deeper down into their brain and they get more dysregulated, less yeah. engaged. Um, and yeah, I, I really wish I knew that from yeah. the start. Yeah, because we know, you know, you can't function in that kind of fight or flight, Yeah, you know, response or freeze response you know you're not you're not in you're not yourself yep so any amount of reasoning or it's it's just falls on deaf ears it's no point yeah and i've seen also uh schools where they try to overdo it with rewards and consequences Uh, and that that never seems to go very well either um What's been your experience working with kind of merit systems and award systems, that sort of thing? Yeah, look, I think the research is pretty clear now. Um, there's there's 
they're really, really ineffectual. Mm. Really ineffectual ways of managing behaviour, you know. We know punishment doesn't work. Kids aren't going to respond to a punitive consequence. There's just, there's just no way. You know, you're trying to fix a problem over here by, you know, spreading jam on your waffles over here. Like, it's just... Don't, me- don't mention waffles, Kate. <laughs> no, I couldn't. <laughs> the reference. <laughs> but they're just so disconnected. So, you know, you've got these kids that have behaved in a way that's that's not appropriate and then okay I'm going to give them a demerit I'm going to get them to have a detention they're going to sit in a room and what do they do when they're in that room oh they'll probably finish off some homework maybe you get them to clean something who knows but it's so disconnected to the situation to what they were feeling to why they responded that way there's no sense of connection for them so they're just like you know and especially when you're in girls education you know all girls see or hear when you you know, a punitive with them is that you don't like them. Mm. That's all that they take from it. You know, there's no sense of like, oh, you know, I'm going to behave better next time. You know, and any any external um, extrinsic reward system, you know, similarly, you know, nice nice to have, but that's not why a student's going to, you know, really flourish academically or socially. Yeah, it's got its limits. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So used in, you know, a small amount of measure or just appreciating them for their kindness or for something they've done so that they know you've noticed. Yep. Yeah, great. But to to expect that you can manage a classroom based on dojo points or, yeah. you know, kind of stickers or rewards or whatever it is, um, you'll be sadly disappointed. It's really limited. Yeah. And it, it tends to work for the kids who uh, would tend towards compliance anyway. And, and your kids who are really struggling to comply with expectations, those... Those things, in my experience, aren't very impactful. No, they will just they will just check out. Yeah. They'll just go. There's no way I'm going to meet those expectations, and yep. why bother? Yeah. Uh, and then you've got you know a situation that's worse. And the other thing about the compliant kids too is that, you know, if you're if you're getting them to respond to rewards, um, and they you know they like that feeling, it might look all well and good on the surface, but you're actually often in danger of stopping them really challenging themselves yeah, because yep. all they want to do is to fit within those confines that you've yep. set for them and, and you know, get that merit or get that sticker or get that, you know, those points, whatever it is. And what they what you really want from them, which is that deep learning, that deep thinking, that challenge, you know, they'll they'll shirk that because yep. they'll go, oh, well, I'm not going to try that because then I might not get the best mark. Yeah, and you kill off their internal motivation. Exactly, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's funny, I, th- I think about... Like, it's not that long ago that I was a student at school and I was in year eight when they outlawed corporal punishment (laughs) in New South Wales. Year eight, wow. And some of my teachers who were teachers in when I was at school in year eight are still teaching. Some of them have been my colleagues in the last few years and I think they're in a profession that has changed that much, like in that short amount of time. It's yeah, it's crazy And do they say, bring back that. the cane? No. <laughs> when they see me coming, Smith. <laughs> the, the good old days when we could cane students oh. and uh, isn't that a, throw isn't, things at them. Isn't that a terrible thing to think about? I how, know. Like how short a time that was. That like It wasn't that long ago that yeah. teachers were using fear and power to yeah. control kids like that. And there, look, there are still teachers doing that. Yeah, they might yeah. not have the use they of a cane. They might not be swinging a cane. Yeah, but yeah, but... Um, yeah, it's all kind of fear, fear induced. Yeah, definitely. I I dealt with a, a situation oh, probably two years ago where a student who's always in always in trouble at school, and you know he's got lots of there was a couple of different diagnoses attached to to his profile, but he was in trouble at school and then he got in detention 
and then he misbehaved in detention and the consequence for that was that they gave him more detentions. <laughs> so what happened was he had more, more detentions lined up than there were days left in the year. And I remember talking to his principal saying, do you really think this is going to help modify this child's behaviour? And he's saying to me, Matt, it wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be fair to the other kids if, he did, if we didn't go through with these consequences. And I, I remember saying to this guy, it might not be fair but it's totally unhelpful. Like yeah. this is a child who the only thing he gets out of going to school is social connection. Yeah. So the time of the day where he gets the strongest social connection, recess and lunch, you put him in a room uh. with all the other kids that you've identified as the naughtiest kids in the school <laughs> and you'll wonder why he's mobilising that, that group of kids against the school. <laughs> like you have – so that's a, that's a situation where the school has to look at their approach to that child's behaviour rather than saying – why won't this child comply? Like yeah. we're insisting and insisting and, sh- and expressing our outrage and he still won't change. Like yeah. outrage doesn't change kids. <laughs> Punish- I've never seen a pattern of bad behaviour punished out of a kid. No. Nah, never. No, nah, nah, absolutely not. I mean uh, if, if it was the case our prison systems would work, right? Yeah, that's right. Rehabilitation yeah. and all that stuff, yeah. Well, you know, actually that's an interesting thing and I, I don't know enough about this but uh, – but I did read an article that they're reimagining prison systems yep. and they've done you know, some work here in Australia and at correctional facilities um, about you know, what that might look like and, yep. and why, why prison systems aren't working. And, and it, it comes down to that. It's like you know, it's not connected with that sense of being a, a civil member of society. But yeah. anyway, that's, that's for another podcast. But yeah. it's interesting that you know, even in the prison system, even in the correctional facilities they're looking at hey come on there must be a way to do this better yeah totally yeah so schools first then prisons yeah i mean i think it's interesting looking back at um you know my responses and and why they didn't work i think kids are so sensitive to your every body language you know your tone of voice you know you you don't realize you think you're doing a great job of holding it together or of you know not letting them know that you're frustrated or upset But they pick that stuff up so easily. Even the little, littlest, they're so in tune, mm. a lot of these kids, especially these kids that we're talking about, the kids that are already struggling, the kids that can't concentrate, the kids that, you know, want to want to do the right thing but are just, you know, behaviourally really, really challenged. Yep. You know, they're so sensitive to your little cues. So it's a real skill, I think, as a teacher to, to properly remove yourself from that, you know, to yep. not be showing you know, that frustration and that irritation with the kids you're teaching. And genuinely, some kids genuinely struggle with their behaviour. It's not a choice. Yeah. Like one of the schools or a system of schools that I work with at the moment out in far western New South Wales, I've been coaching some of the teachers in managing some disruptive behaviours that happen, which tend to happen most acutely on Monday mornings. And the teachers kind of understand why. It's because the kids go out on the weekend and they're riding motorbikes, they're hunting pigs, they're playing sports, they're doing all these really high-intensity active things and then they, some of them often come off their medication over the weekend mm-hmm. and then they come into school on Monday morning and period one is literacy. Like <laughs> how do you go from hunting pigs on a motorbike <laughs> on Sunday afternoon to literacy on Monday morning and expect a kid to just, you know, flick a switch and tune straight into that. So yeah. there, there's some there's some real challenges with like the structure of 
classrooms and balancing classroom expectations with the expectations in kids' lives. Because mm. that's I'm not making a judgment about the teachers or the schools there. That's mm. a that's a genuine challenge because you can't say, Oh, well these these kids are too active on the weekends, they can't do literacy. That's yep. not how it works. But you have to find a way to make a, a, a structure in your class that supports kids and and appreciates, acknowledges that their attention sometimes is not going to be on nouns, verbs and adjectives. Yeah. It might be a they might have other things on their mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think we we could do a whole episode on, you know, what does work. Yeah. But other things that you see teachers doing that don't work. The number one thing I see is when teachers try to use power. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you think about, if you're a teacher and you think about how do I respond to kids in my class, I really would break it down into your, either, your techniques are either control or influence. Mm-hmm. And influence works long-term, but it's hard to establish in the short-term. Control works short-term, but it doesn't last. And the the reason we use control is because it it works short-term. So the first couple of times you threaten a kid with a punishment, they'll probably do the right thing. And then they'll soon realise, Mr Smith isn't going to follow through with that all year long. Or that... You know, he can't or, maintain Or this. I've got more, more detentions than yeah, there are days in right. the I've years. got too many detentions <laughs> left for this to be viable anymore. So there's um, – I, I think that's the biggest problem that teachers have is is leaning on controls rather than influence. And some of the teachers I talk to, they'll, they'll be like, oh, I just cannot get this kid to do what I want. Yeah. If that's the way you're thinking about it, get the kid to do what I want. Yeah. You're talking in control terms. Yep. And I, I think, yeah pushing shit uphill if that's the way you're thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, we're so willing to to look at students and see their need for additional support in literacy or or numeracy, and it's not a problem for us. You're like, oh, this kid, yep. you know, hasn't quite learnt this. We don't look at kids in that same way, you know, often behaviourally and, and in terms of their pro-social behaviours. You know, we, you need to look at it as a skill deficit and say, yep. look, this kid needs more support in maths, this kid needs more support, you know, in their social awareness or their, you know, regulation, their self-regulation, yep. whatever it is, and, and bring those resources and those supports to that student rather than just going... They're, they're naughty, you know, yeah, yep. and this idea that, you know, as you say, you can kind of threaten them into compliance, you know, because, yep. um, you know, they just, they, it just, it just won't work. This concept that teachers have of fixing the student. Yeah, yeah. It's the student that's the problem and I just yep. need to fix that student rather than looking at the environment around that student. Like it's like, um, what's that research uh, that we saw at um, the last ASL conference about the planting and the, you know, the harvesting and the... You know. oh, I forget the name. You put me on the spot, Kate. <laughs> I know, sorry. I shouldn't, I shouldn't quote researchers and not, not have their names on the tip of my tongue, but he was saying, you know, you wouldn't... It's not like you'd plant a rose, a sunflower or something, or a delicate flower or a fern, let's say, in the desert mm. and then blame it for not thriving you know and that's what we do with kids you know we put them in a certain situation be that a literacy lesson first thing on a monday morning you know be that a school that doesn't really understand their needs whatever it is and then we blame that student for not complying for not doing what we expect them to do for not doing what we want them to do we and we need to stop thinking of of students that way yeah okay i'll tell you about i had this this kid in trouble in my office when i was principal and He'd been, he got in trouble because he, he wasn't listening and he was just tuning out and getting distracted and causing grief for everybody. So he's in with me and to keep him kind of engaged, I asked him a question about something he was really interested in. He was really interested in trains. Yeah. So tell, all right, tell me about trains. So he started t- talking about trains. 20 minutes later, he was still talking about trains and he saw me drifting off 
Like he could see all the physical signs that I'd lost interest and I was getting distracted and, and he stopped and he goes, Mr. Smith, how come it's okay for you to get bored and not pay attention but it's not okay for me to get bored and pay, not pay attention? And yeah. I was like, well, you know what? You're totally right. Well, you just need to look at, at, at staff at a professional development. Oh, yeah. You know, we're the worst. Teachers yep. are the worst. Concentrating, they'll chat amongst themselves. They'll do all those things. Yep. Check that drive their phone. Them, yeah, everything that drives them crazy when their students yep. do it. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, so a little bit, I think a little bit of understanding is um, really important there. Yeah, yeah. So that's the worst student in my class and the worst student in Kate's class. And when we say that, obviously, there's a hidden meaning in that. There's no, there's no worse student, and wh- and one of the one of the things that we often talk about when we're helping teachers w- uh, work through behaviour is like if you tag a kid as naughty, if you call a kid a naughty kid, you're always going to think of them as naughty. Yeah. So um, that's the worst student in our class. So maybe in a later episode, Kate, we'll talk about some things you can do to help the naughtiest kid in your class. Absolutely. I, so I'd like to thank our producer Benjamin and the Hills Podcast Studio. And which is hosted in the beautiful Bella Vista Hotel. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Those Who Can't, brought to you by Summit Education Australia. This episode was recorded in the Hills Podcast Studio, located in the Bella Vista Hotel, and we'd like to thank them for allowing us to use their studio. Join us next time for more of Those Who Can't. <laughs>